Hello and welcome to the Knowing God podcast. I know that believers are facing spiritual battles every day and we need that constant stream of spiritual food to help us prepare for another day or recharge us after a tiring day. Maybe you have a church that you attend every Sunday as your main source of biblical understanding. Consider this podcast as your supplement for your spiritual growth. This podcast is a Bible study podcast, and it is for those Christians who feel the need to know God better. And I know we all do, whether you are a long-time believer or just beginning to explore your relationship with God, we all have that need to know our Creator better. I pray that this podcast will be a source of guidance, inspiration, and encouragement for you as you continue to run the race. My name is Rodolfo Largo, and this is our first episode, and it's called The Greatest of All Knowledge. What is the greatest of all knowledge that a man can possess? Do you have to be a genius in mathematics, history, science, and languages to possess that knowledge? If there's one, where should we begin to find it? Let's read the Word of God in Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23-24, to which says, Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, and let not a mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. In verse 23, we see three things that men boast about. These are human wisdom, might, and wealth. These are their sources of self-gratification, self-identity, confidence, happiness, and security. It's their everything. For the world, these are the most sought-after things. For most people, this is the greatest knowledge that a man can possess. But let's see what the Word of God says about human wisdom, might, and wealth. This is what God told us about human wisdom. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 18 to 20, which says, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Human wisdom doesn't recognize God's sovereignty. It doesn't recognize His will. It doesn't recognize the truth. It has been blinding people from the truth for millennia. It has its own version of the truth. Human wisdom is 1 plus 1 equals 5. Human wisdom is right is wrong and wrong is right. 
Human wisdom says that you can make your own truth. Human wisdom teaches us to follow the deceitful above all things, which is our hearts. Human wisdom tells us that there is no one above us. Human wisdom has its own God. It's whatever God they can make. Those people who believe in human wisdom deceive themselves thinking that they can craft their own sets of moral principles to negate the truth of God and stop the church from moving forward. They think that they have figured everything out. They think that they have solved the problem of evil and therefore they don't need God. What's worse, human wisdom thinks that it has found a way to be like God. What they are doing is they are deceiving themselves, and they don't know that they are deceiving themselves. And the verse we read is like saying to us, If you think you are wise in this age, you're wrong. If you want to be wise, unlearn the wisdom of this world. Be foolish by the world's standard, and learn the gospel, and then you'll know the divine wisdom and become truly wise. God's word is foolishness to unbelievers. For them, the gospel is like a fairy tale, that it was written to control people. It's out of touch, and it cannot be applied in the modern world. So for them, the gospel is useless. But God says that the human wisdom of this world is useless. It is useless because it is limited to earth, characterized by humanness and frailty. It is crafted by people with unsanctified hearts and unredeemed souls. It only promotes jealousy, a sinful lifestyle, false hope, pride, and insanity. James chapter 3 verse 13 says that human wisdom is generated by Satan's forces. It doesn't save a soul. It always proves to be unreliable and impermanent. And it is always against the word of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19, God said, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Human wisdom will be destroyed when Christ establishes his kingdom on this earth. Earthly wisdom is futile, for it cannot stand on God's judgment. It's amazing that most people make human wisdom their everything and boast about it when the truth is it is futile. Next is strength or might. This could be armed forces of a nation, youthfulness, physical strength, or any position in a society that has some kind of control over many people. We are going to read about what God did to a certain man. His name is King Nebuchadnezzar a tyrant and powerful king of Babylon. God warned him through Daniel that he will be judged unless he would turn away from his unrighteousness and he was given a year to do so. He was warned through a dream and interpreted by Daniel to humble himself and recognize that his power, wealth, and influence were from God and not of his own making. But he was so full of pride that he thought his position and influence could stop God's judgment. Let's read Daniel chapter 4 verses 28 to 33. 
All this happened to Nebuchadnezzar the king. Twelve months later, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. The king reflected and said, Is this not Babylon the great, which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven, saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared, Sovereignty has been removed from you, and you will be driven away from mankind, and your dwelling place will be the beast of the field. You will be given grass to eat like cattle, and seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes. Immediately, the word concerning Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled, and he has driven away from mankind and began eating grass like cattle. And his body was drenched with the dew of heaven, until his hair had grown like eagles' feathers and his nails like birds' claws. God turned this proud Babylonian king from a supreme ruler of the greatest empire at that time to a mentally ill, mad, crazy, and useless person that became like a wild animal and ate grass like cattle. The strength of his armies, his sovereignty, and his influence could not save him from God's judgment. God removed his sovereignty. However, after seven years, King Nebuchadnezzar's sanity returned to him, realized his mistakes, and humbled himself. As a result of that, his kingdom was restored to him and surpassing greatness was added to him. He gave praises to God and this is what he said. In verse 37, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are true and his ways just, and he can humble those who walk in pride. Do not boast about how strong or powerful you are, or else God will humble you. When God humbles you, it's not usually a good picture, and just like human wisdom, your strength cannot save you from his judgment. The next one is wealth. Wealth. And this is what the Word of God says about it. It is found in Psalms chapter 49, verses 16 to 20. Let's read. Do not be afraid when a man becomes rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dies, he will carry nothing away. His glory will not descend after him. Though while he lives, he congratulates himself. And though men praise you and you do well for yourself, he shall go to the generation of his fathers. They will never see the light. Man in his pomp, yet without understanding, is like the beasts that perish. There's a tendency that when a wicked person becomes wealthy, he might do things at our expense. With a ridiculous amount of money they own, they can do anything that would sacrifice other people's lives to make their life easier or use people for their gain. But do not be afraid, the Bible says, because there's one thing a wicked rich man cannot buy, and that is death. Their honors accolades, awards, beauty, and success that they boast about over the years cannot stop death. The Bible compares a rich man that doesn't have the wisdom to respond to the Lord and his instructions to a dead wild animal. 
if we die without preparing ourselves for eternity, we're like a wild animal who doesn't know anything about eternity. A French atheist and enemy of Christianity named Voltaire, whose popularity made him very wealthy, that when he came to die, he told his doctor in pain desperation that he would give half of all his possession if his doctor would give him six months more of life. Voltaire died in despair. Spurgeon said, and I quote, Hell knows no aristocracy. Your dainty and delicate sinners shall find that the eternal burnings have no respect for their affections and refinements. There's no red carpet and silver platter for rich, wicked people in hell. Everyone's going to die, rich and poor alike. No one is exempted from this truth, and trusting your wealth cannot save you from dying. So, those are the things that fallen men sought after, and God tells us to not boast about them. On the other hand, there are three things in Jeremiah chapter 9 and in verse 24 that believers should pursue in life. These are understanding and knowing who God is, understanding and knowing His Lordship, and understanding and knowing what makes Him happy. To know and understand are two different things. To know is to stay on the surface. To understand is to go beneath the surface. To know is to have a ton of information. To understand is to connect the information. Knowing is collecting facts. Understanding is being thrown and you more revealing light on all the facts you know. It is a fact that we exist, but we understand that because of God, we exist. We know that He is Lord over all the earth because we understand that He exercises abundant loving kindness, absolute justice, and perfect righteousness. We know the fact that He exercises these things because we understand that doing them makes Him happy. Understanding and knowing God is more important than anything on this earth. Why? In the face of God's judgment, human wisdom, power, and wealth cannot be able to save you from it. God said that if there's anything you want to boast about, boast about who He is, His unchanging, fundamental, permanent attributes. When you start to understand and know the attributes of God, you will learn that humanly speaking, we are weak, foolish, lowly, and despised. It will humble you because as you get to know God through His Word, you will learn that without Him, you can do nothing. You will understand that your wisdom is foolishness to God, that your strength is nothing compared to His power, and your wealth is one commandment away to be obliterated by Him. You will learn that you are nothing and He is everything. The greatest of all knowledge that one can possess is knowing the living God. Knowing the living God. Now, part of knowing who God is, is also knowing and understanding His will. It refers to His purpose, plans, and desires. Do you know God's plan for your life? Do you know His purpose? Do you know his desires? In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, is a rebuke to believers not to be like unwise people, 
These are people who don't understand the seriousness of knowing God and living according to His will. It says in verse 17, So do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Some people are familiar with the name of God and some go to church and claim to be Christians, but they don't understand the seriousness of knowing God. The question is, how do you know if you are one of those people, unwise people, who don't understand the seriousness of knowing God's will? You've been going to church for many, many years, and when you read this verse, you might ask if you are one of those people. Here are six things to remember. First, you are ignorant of God's teaching. You are ignorant of God's teaching. In John 7, 17, says, If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know about the gospel, whether it is of God or I am speaking from myself. One of God's commandments is for you to study his word. Many people are deceived by wrong doctrines because they don't desire to do God's will. A lot of Christians are confused and can't tell if the teaching is false or not because they are not committed to doing his will. When I say you're committed, that means you do his will even if none of your friends or family members agree with you. You study his word constantly and you follow him rain or shine. Like the Berean Jews, after receiving the message with great eagerness, they examined the scripture every day to see if what Paul said was true. Going to church alone doesn't guarantee you to be safe from false doctrine, but in your day-to-day living, being committed to studying His Word is your only way to be shielded from false doctrines. We are commanded to study His Word and not be ignorant of it. The next indication that you are one of those unwise people is you are conforming to the world. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable. You cannot understand and know God's will, that which is good and acceptable and perfect, while at the same time following what the world dictates. And you are susceptible to conforming to the world if you don't study the word of God. Following what the world does, while claiming to be a follower of Christ, doesn't make any sense. If you're a Christian, you don't love what the world loves. You love what God loves and hate what God hates. You don't follow the pattern of the world, but you follow the will of God. The third one is you are lacking spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul in Colossians chapter 1 verse 9 says, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul sent this letter to the Christians in Colossae because there was a dangerous heresy arose that threatened the church. The heresy contained elements of what later became known as Gnosticism. You can read more of that in the introduction to Colossians in your Bible. And Paul sent them that letter to protect them from that dangerous heresy. My point is that your lacking of spiritual wisdom and understanding is very dangerous to your spiritual health. How do you get spiritual wisdom and understanding? Well, you get spiritual wisdom from reading and studying the Bible every day, writing them down, and organizing them 
and you get spiritual understanding from applying those principles to daily living. You know, cults love people who don't know God's word and those who don't know how to apply God's principles properly in their daily lives. The fourth one is you are living in sexual immorality. You're living in sexual immorality. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, Paul says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. God's will for you is to be purified and holy and stop doing these things. These are adultery, pornography, fornication, polygamy, incest, and homosexuality. These are the things that people do who don't know God. The fifth one, you are not being thankful for everything. You are not being thankful for everything. If you know God's will, which is good, acceptable, and perfect, there's nothing left for you to do but to be thankful. But since you don't know God's will, most of the time you worry, complain, and doubt about your salvation and your spiritual life. God's will for you is to be thankful always. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Paul commanded us to be thankful in everything. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And the last one is, you are following human appetite. You are following human appetite. What are human appetites? These are immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which amount to idolatry. It is idolatry since you follow your desires rather than God's, in essence, worshiping yourself. We hear the phrase, follow your heart's desire in most movies. The Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. It has anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech. In the Church of Satan, they have the nine satanic statements, which originally appeared in the Satanic Bible in 1969. And you can also read them on their webpage. And the eighth statement, this is what it says, and I quote, Satan represents all of the so-called sins as they all lead to physical, mental, or emotional gratification. Unquote. Unwise people follow and live for their hearts. Believers follow and live for God's will. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1-2, to 2, Peter says, Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourself also with the same purpose, because he who suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. So those are the six indications to know if you are one of those people who don't understand the seriousness of knowing God and living according to His will. Now, what if you are one of those people who believe in God, but living unwisely? What should I do, you might ask? Here's what you need to do. Full submission and surrender to God. I repeat, full submission and surrender to God. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. 
Deny there means to disregard your own interests. You're willing to obey him and suffer daily, even die for his sake. And then in Luke chapter 14, verse 33, Jesus says, So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Renounce all, meaning you give up everything you have. You invest everything you have for his kingdom. No hidden sins. Treasure no earthly possessions. Let go all of your self-indulgences and be committed to God without reservation. This is an absolute, unconditional surrender. That's how costly to follow God. And if you're not willing to do that, you cannot be his disciple. You might say, I don't have the will to do it. Well, pray. Pray to God. Pray about it. Well, I don't know how to pray. You might say. You know, the Holy Spirit will help and intercede for us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says, In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Knowing and understanding God's will and attributes require full submission to him. Now, in John chapter 17, we read the greatest prayer in the Bible by the greatest high priest, Jesus Christ, to his Father. And this is what he said about eternal life in verse 3. Jesus said, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus' definition of eternal life here is to know the only true God, that is to have a deep relationship with Him, and to know Christ, whom God the Father has sent. Eternal life in that verse doesn't mean quantity, but quality. Eternal life is meaningless without God. That's hell. What's the use of living forever without God? It's useless. I can't imagine living forever without the presence of God. It would be a horrible life. It's like floating in the universe of nothingness forever. Without God, everything is meaningless. Without Him, everything is meaningless. But with Him, everything is meaningful. Just like what King David said, a single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. The greatest purpose of life is to know God in an intimate relationship. That's why God is like saying, Don't boast about your wisdom. Don't boast about your strength. Don't boast about your wealth. They are all futile. They cannot save you. They are not permanent and they are unreliable. But understand and know who I am. Understand and know my lordship and understand and know what makes me happy. Make these the source of your happiness, the root of your satisfaction, and the reason for your living. The knowledge of who God is is the greatest knowledge that one can possess. We'll close this with this wonderful verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, in the Amplified Version, which says, all has been heard. 
the end of the matter is, fear God, revere and worship Him, knowing that He is, and keep His commandments. For this is the whole of man, the full original purpose of His creation, the object of God's providence, the root of character, the foundation of all happiness, the adjustment to all inharmonious circumstances and conditions under the sun, and the whole duty for every man. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to our first episode of Knowing God. In our next episode, we'll talk about the benefits of knowing our Creator. For the rest of the week, I encourage you to grab your Bible, open it, pray to God for guidance before you start digging in for the truth, and study His Word. I pray that you will grow in the knowledge of Him and have a blessed week.